Hello and welcome to Sigma Podcasts. Joining me today, I have Hilary Stewart-Jones, who is the chairman and CEO of law firm Skywinds. Hilary is going to be producing a series of reports for Sigma over the next 12 months, focusing on some of the key legal issues facing the gambling industry today. Hello, Hilary. Thank you very much for joining us. Pleasure. You're going to be collaborating with Sigma over the next uh, 12 months or so, providing a, a, a series of reports for us. Um, tell us a little bit about your background in the industry. You're obviously the chairman and CEO of Skywinds. How did you get where you are? Uh, I, my background is I'm a lawyer uh, by training. So in 1995, I applied for a job in-house and that was Labrooks. So at that time, it was primarily retail betting, you know, casinos, dog tracks, and on all the um, the LBOs. But the nascent business then was the online business. And even though I would joined as part of the wider team, which included hotels, I found I just loved the gambling-related regulatory and legal work. It was challenging, the people were fun, they liked to push the parameters. And as a consequence, I ended up in that division full-time. And then in 2000, I decided what... Uh, what was needed for the industry was a specialist gambling practice, and that's what I went into BLP to, um, well, B- BCLP now, but BLP to, to basically build from scratch, and it's, it's all gone from there, really. Okay, and for us, what are you going to be focusing on? Uh, I'm obviously going to be focusing on the areas where uh, we can see you know, legal and regulatory challenges and headwinds um, that are impacting the, you know, the profitability and the margins of almost anybody operating in Europe at the moment. So that will be the focus of Sigma in November to try and give some people some inside intelligence and some business experience and um, business cases and other challenges that uh, operators have faced to try and help them navigate what is going to be a hugely um, you know, difficult financial time in terms of macroeconomics as well. From the legal perspective, what do you see as being perhaps the biggest challenge that you keep coming across? Uh, staying on the right side of the regulator and, and not having the regulator offside. Um, it's a pattern that is repeating time and time again, where there is um, almost hostility between the operator and the regulator. Certainly, that's um, very much the case in the UK at the moment, but you see it across the board that somehow they feel that they have drawn battle lines. And that's probably not the best way to regulate um, because it makes people less willing to share information, less willing to uh, share mistakes. So without this sort of concept, I suppose, and a, a relationship whereby the regulator gives you an amnesty for early disclosure, that's going to be increasingly hostile. And I know that certainly directors um, on boards that hold, for example, uh, PMLs are feeling increasing the, the focus of a personal liability, which is very, very difficult for the industry to cope with because you'll end up with people not wanting to do it. And as a, as a result, it will be a race to the bottom in terms of the qualities of the individuals that you will get to fill those roles if they feel that they are personally in the firing line in relation to um, regulatory transgressions. It's a real shame that it's gotten to this point. I mean, what, what can be done to improve this? Does the industry need to get together and work with the regulators as a group? Or I think it would help if there was a, a better forum for regulators to share ideas about what good regulation looks like. 
and how to get the best out of um, the cooperation with the industry. Because at the end of the day, it's in everybody's interest that it works well because that means more people are employed, more taxes paid. So it is actually in the interest of the regulator that you have a profitable industry and the industry is not driven underground, which is the other danger, particularly with online now, that we're all very conscious in the, you know, in the business that Curacao and other offshore jurisdictions are booming as a result of those operators that just cannot live with the scrutiny of the very, very tight regulation in, in relation to some European jurisdictions, where, as I said, the operator is seen to be the enemy. That's not to say that the operator hasn't learned to, you know, and, and has had to grow up and mature and realise that you need to ensure that you look after your customer, they're not exploited. But, you know, it's a fine line. And, and I think that the, the way things are at the moment, it's gone too far the other way in terms of um, the operators feeling very bruised and bloodied. Right, yes. You mentioned Curacao. They, of course, are now looking a bit harder at their licensees, aren't they? They, Correct. they are um, clamping down a bit. And what impact's that going to have? Well, it's, it's interesting, really. Um, many years ago, I was involved in a project, you know, um, with the jurisdiction with a view to just doing and making that stage process from light touch regulation to medium touch regulation to, uh, you know, a much, much higher level. But it'll have to be a transition process. It can't be, you know, eliminated overnight because there are obviously wider financial ramifications for just calling out a whole group of operators as bad actors and trying to, you know, literally get them off the islands. So that, that, you know, it's a case of how staged the process that is and what people will be comfortable with. But if you're talking about light touch regulation versus what is going on, as I said, in Europe, it's going to be a very difficult and uncomfortable journey to make any adaptation from what they've been able to do at the moment. And also, you know, philosophically, what are they going to do about blockchain too? Because obviously a lot of the Curacao operators are very heavily into um, crypto. That's a big question mark, isn't it? People were talking that they may not allow them to use crypto in their yes. online licenses anymore. If, if, if I were the regulator, I wouldn't go that far. I would just do it so that, for example, you determine, for example, that certain types of crypto are acceptable, others weren't, that you do it within a, you know, I mean, the Isle of Man has come up with a very sort of sound concept of what where they would like to de-risk, but still facilitate crypto play on casinos. So I think there is a way that you can regulate it safely. I think everyone know, would know what it looks like when it's produced, but nobody has quite produced it yet. Right. Interesting. The other big one that we have, the other big shoe we're waiting to fall, of course, is the UK and their long-awaited white paper. Exactly. What are you expecting from that? Uh, you know, everything that everyone's talked about, you know, stricter deposit limits, uh, even, you know, tighter um, customer protections. Um, and um, it's fortunate, I suppose, it's been long awaited so that operators have been able to start making their own personal calls on um, players where they feel that they shouldn't be playing or imposing deposit limits where they are not satisfied of the affordability checks. So I think that because of that, I don't think the industry needs to brace itself in quite the way that it would have happened if it had happened as quickly as everyone you know, was first intending. But unfortunately, as I said, it's, it's, you know, gambling is always in bad odour as far as governments are concerned. And um, it's, it's an unpopular fact of life. You know, it makes unpleasant headlines. Um, no politician really wants to support it apart from, you know, horse racing. And 
if we haven't got a regulator that can build a bridge, then it's a very difficult and hostile environment to be in. It's very interesting. One last question, just looking at it a little bit from the other perspective. Do you think that the industry and the executives in the industry have taken this on board and are doing enough themselves? Are they being proactive enough? They are very proactive, but it's it's a really tough place to be, to, uh, to particularly in an environment where you've got, you know, shareholders in a public environment to keep on taking down revenue. That's a you know that's an unpleasant thing to face, you know, in in, in terms of you know, diminished returns. And it's therefore it had previously been very tempting, I think, for operators. We've seen it, we saw it with fob tees, you know, et cetera, et cetera, to make hay while the sun shines and worry about it later. And hopefully you'll be off the board then and it'll be somebody else's problem. No, from my experience now, regulation and compliance is taken extremely seriously. Um, you know, that, that there's a very ready uh, dialogue between the board and, you know, the compliance team. And it's not a sense anymore of, well, I see it from both sides of, you know, being clients, compliance to be, you know, get back in your box, leave it to us. We'll make the commercial decisions. You're being annoying. You're telling me I can't do something, you know, to, to really understand that everybody needs to play a part and the tone needs to come from the top. We really look forward to reading your reports when they come through and I'm sure our viewers will be very welcome, will welcome your insights. So thank you very much for joining thank us. You.